Pastor Chris's podcast. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Jesus was born to save the world from sin. He came to unite all people as one people in the kingdom of God. More than any figure in history, Jesus changed the world. He changed the world so much that we split history in half, marking it by what happened before and after he was born. And after he was born, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature And he was baptized by his cousin John in the Jordan River to mark the beginning of his public ministry. 
And he began to teach and to heal and to share the love of God with all people everywhere. Jesus also made clear that his mission was for all people. Where others in the Bible had come only to minister to the people of Israel, Jesus reached out even to Gentiles and to the despised Samaritans. Jesus was the Son of God. He was the long-awaited Messiah that people were waiting for to come and to save the world from all of its brokenness and sin. Nobody knew for sure, and people wondered who he was. What was his true identity? Was he really the Messiah? Was he really the Son of God? The first person, though, to whom Jesus revealed this truth was a Samaritan woman. An outcast in her own community. Someone who was despised by the Israelites. When everyone else shunned this woman, Jesus met her at Jacob's well and told her about living water. Water that wells up from inside and sustains us spiritually and never runs dry. And after she heard the message, she was so excited that she left her water jars and ran back to her village to tell everyone about this man that she had met. Could he indeed be the Messiah? In the conversation that Jesus had with the woman, he shared a very important truth with her. And I want to share that truth with you today. And I want that to be the, the subject of our discussion It comes from John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Jesus said, the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. And so Jesus shared this with Her and he said, for God's spirit, God is spirit. And so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so I want to talk with you today about worshiping in spirit and in truth. One of the things I love about our church here is how we try to incorporate both spirit and in truth, spirit and truth in our worship. You know, music has always been something throughout my life that has spoke to my heart. It just, it gets inside me and it moves me. I feel it. It it encourages me. It inspires me. Sometimes it breaks my heart. It makes me sad or it may make me full of joy as we sing Christmas songs like Joy to the World this morning. And when I hear someone else like David sing a beautiful special, it just moves me. And I worship in spirit. It's not just something that I know about in my head. It's something I feel in my heart. That is part of what we do. But also we worship in spirit and we worship in truth. We worship a God that we know about. We worship a savior that we can read what he said and how he was born and how he lived and died and rose from the grave. We can read what he taught. We can read his commandments and how he said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And so we can know about Jesus and we can know him intellectually, not just as some feeling that we have, but something that is true. 
You know, feelings are wonderful. And they can be a great help to us and a great benefit, but they're also very subjective, right? If you only ever lived by the principle that so many people share in the world today, when they say, oh, just follow your heart, it will never leave you wrong. But that's not true. The heart leads people wrong all the time. It is a guide, but it is subjective. On the other hand, if we only ever know something intellectually, then we don't really connect with it emotionally and spiritually. And that's just a dry, inanimate, unfeeling, uninspiring thing that that is deficient too. There's another part of worshiping in truth that goes beyond just what we know, but it's a practical kind of truth where we put into action what we know intellectually, right? This is what Jesus called us to do, to know him and to obey him. And so we are called to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and to go out and to serve, right? To be his hands and feet in the world. And so this is what we're called to do. And I love how John Wesley began the Methodist movement by incorporating all of these things. John Wesley lived in a time in the 1700s when the Anglican church in which he participated, he was a priest in the Anglican church. It was a a church that was so intellectual, but it was so passionless. People would just come to church and they'd cross their arms and they'd sit in the pews and they would listen to a lecture a really good lecture, a really theologically sound lecture, but then they would just go out and not do anything with it. They didn't feel anything. And John Wesley looked around at this and he said, this is not what God wants from his people. And so John Wesley was a brilliant man, an intellectual who had been, who had been educated, but he said that our Christian life has to be filled with passion too. Has to be both spirit and truth. And so he began the work of renewing the Anglican church, seeking to renew the church to make it on fire again. He wanted people to both know God with their head, but also with their heart. And that's why a a, a stiff, conservative, intellectual man like John Wesley could go and he would preach to people who were blue collar and who worked in the the mines and the coal mines and he could inspire them and he could light their hearts on fire with both spirit and truth and people began to come alive again in the church and the church began to change and to renew and people began to come to Christ again. He started this movement as a way to renew people's faith, to make their Christianity something that was alive and made a real difference in the world. So people did all kinds of crazy things as they would get excited and they would get charismatic as they would worship God. But John Wesley was also giving them real truth, intellectually deep theological information from God's scripture, all of that together. And he also added that third element. It's part of truth where you go out and you actually do something. You don't just talk about it. You do it. And so he would go out and he would 
visit people who were in prison because they had committed crimes and he would talk to them about Jesus and he would allow them the opportunity to let Jesus change their life. Even criminals who were condemned to death, he would go to them. He wasn't afraid to share the good news with them. And he went to people who were sick and in the hospital and he, he went to the poor who didn't have enough or he went to those who lacked an education and he offered opportunities for them to change their future, to make a better life for themselves because they were getting education. So he was incorporating both spiritual feeling and emotion and he was incorporating truth and knowledge and he was incorporating actually doing something with it. And through this renewal movement, the world was being changed. That's our tradition. And that's why here at Pleasant Grove, we try to be and must always be a church that worships God in spirit and in truth. But in order for us to be a church that worships in spirit and truth, we as individuals all have to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Does that make sense? Because the church is made up of individuals. And so today I, I want to tell you, you must be a follower of Christ who worships in spirit and in truth. And I want to ask you some questions today and get you thinking, contemplating your own life. As Bill Kaler was sharing in Sunday school, look in the mirror and, and ask, you know, am I the person that I'm supposed to be? Is your relationship with Jesus spiritually rich? Do you feel him? Do you know him? Is he real to you in your heart? Or is he just someone or something that you know about? Someone that you've heard some stories. Maybe you even know all kinds of great facts and information about him from the scripture. But do you know him in your heart? Do you have a relationship with him where you, you feel connected to him in a personal way? Many people struggle with that. We're all made different ways. And some, for some, it's easier to connect in that spiritual, emotional way. And for others, it's harder. But it's, it's important that we find that relationship with Christ. And if you find that you're struggling with that, I would encourage you to pray about that. Maybe even come and, and talk with me. I'm your pastor. Come talk with me. And we'll sit down and we'll pray about it together. Maybe we can find some ways to help you grow in that area of your life where you can connect to Christ on a more spiritual, emotional level. But I also want to ask you today, do you also worship Jesus in truth? Is your relationship with Jesus only emotional? Do you understand who he really is? Or do you just have some vague idea and feeling about him? Do you really know what he did? Do you really know what he said? Do you really know what he wants from your life and what he wants for our world today? Do you have an intellectually rich relationship with Jesus? Because you need that too. And there's ways that you can grow in that area of your life. And so if you're struggling to know Jesus in an intellectual way, pray about that. Maybe even come and, and talk with me, your pastor, about 
how we might could work to grow you in that area. And finally, I would ask, does your relationship with Jesus move you to live for him? Does his love for you and the truth about Christ compel you to serve others, to be the hands and feet of Christ? That is what our world desperately needs is Christians who are connected and inspired and in love with Jesus Christ, who know who he really is and what he really wants for our world and for us as his people and who are willing to get out there and get our hands dirty doing his work. So how will you seek to worship Jesus in spirit? And how will you feed your mind the truth of God this week? And how will you walk with Christ out in the world, serving others as Christ calls all of his followers to serve? What commitment to serve are you going to make this week? For Jesus said, the time is coming. Indeed, it is now here when all true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. As we sing our closing hymn, I invite you to contemplate these things.